welcome you dear listeners to our Easter Dialogues program, a conversation around the Easter season. Tonight we have a very special guest. We have the bishop himself with us, the most reverend Jose Luis, bishop of the diocese of Manzini in the kingdom of Eswatini. Our discussion tonight is on Christmas. Welcome dear bishop to this program where we discuss more about our Catholic faith and especially around the Easter season. And to get straight to the point, on Holy Thursday you come together with the priests of the diocese to celebrate Christmas. In our case, we do this on Wednesday within the Holy Week. And some people think that this is Mass for the bishop and the priests. Would you like to share with us more about the Mass of the Chrism? Livi Lava Inyama. We are deeply grateful to God that this year we are being able to celebrate the Holy Week. It is such an important time in our life and in our journey of faith that it was really difficult for us to be without it last year. We are all familiar with the different celebrations of the week, particularly Palm Sunday, Good Friday and the Easter Vigil maybe less with what happens on Holy Thursday when the Church celebrates two Masses, one in the morning and one in the evening. The one in the evening is the beginning of this, those three special holy days, taking us to the Passion, Death and Resurrection of the Lord. On Thursday evening we celebrate the memorial of the Last Supper, the gift of the Eucharist, the gift of the priesthood and the new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. When you think of these three amazing gifts, you wonder why it never has the same impact as the rest of the celebrations of the week. But that same Thursday in the morning, the Church all over the world celebrates the Christmas when priests renew their vows and the three oils we use in the sacraments are blessed. It is a beautiful celebration of unity between the bishop and the priest of the diocese. Therefore, to make sure that everyone is able to be present, the bishop is free to decide on which day the celebration of the Christmas Mass takes place. It is a practical decision. In many dioceses it would not be easy for a priest to reach the cathedral in the morning and be back in his parish for the evening celebration of the Last Supper. You might remember that for about four years I had one foot in the Vicariate of Inguabuma in South Africa and another one here in our diocese. At that time, during the Holy Week, I would celebrate the Christmas Mass twice in the Vicariate of Inguabuma on a Tuesday morning, which was their tradition. I would then drive here to celebrate it again on Wednesday morning, which has been, up to now, our own tradition. We priests and bishops are ordained for the service of the people of God, and therefore there is nothing more beautiful than to have this Mass together with the laity and the religious of the diocese. That is why we always make sure 
we announce this celebration on time and invite those who can join us on a Wednesday morning to be with us. It is also a particular opportunity for the Church, for the Diocese, to pray for her priest and the Bishop of the Diocese. When I was Bishop in Inguavuma, having the Cathedral in Hlavisa did not make it easy for the people to reach the place on a Tuesday morning. Therefore, I decided to move the celebration to the parishes. I loved that because it was also an opportunity for the people to see all the priests of the vicariate at their parish, and in many cases for them, for the very first time, to be part of the Christmas Mass and witness where the oils we use for the sacraments come from. During the Chrism Mass, you bless the oil of the sick, oil of the catechumens, and consecrate the Chrism. When it comes to the oils of Chrism and that of catechumen, there is no much problem, but the oil of the sick seems to scare so many people, and people think that once you are anointed, it's a sign that your time is up. As someone who blesses the oil of the sick, could you share with our people why we shouldn't be afraid of the anointing of the sick? And maybe also share with us who exactly should be anointed and when. As I said, during this Mass, we also bless the three oils we use for the celebration of the sacraments. The oil of catechumens that we use during baptisms, the chrism used during baptisms, confirmations, and the sacrament of order, and the oil for the sick. The oils we use for the sacraments are blessed every single year. The only exception we had was last year when we could not celebrate the Holy Week or the Christmas Mass. Though the sacraments are seven and we treasure them all, it is also true that some people have mixed feelings with the anointing of the sick. I think we all understand where it comes from. Some of us grew up knowing it under a different name, the extreme unction, meaning the final anointing. In fact, it was normally given when the sick person would be very sick and at the point of death. I imagine, at least for some, the look of fear when they would see the priest arriving for the sacrament of the sick. This is no longer so. The Church invites you to celebrate it at least in two moments. When you are particularly sick, or before an operation, or when you are old and fragile. So much so that I was anointed in 2011. While being Bishop of Inguavuma, I was admitted in hospital. The doctor told me my gallbladder had to be removed. Before the surgery, Father Mel Loftus came to see me with a few others. We prayed together and I was anointed. There was no risk of dying during the surgery, but I did want the prayer of the Church to be with me as I would go through it. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Numbers 1509 and 1510, we read this, Heal the sick, 
The church has received this charge from the Lord and strives to carry it out by taking care of the sick, as well as by accompanying them with her prayer of intercession. The church believes in the life-giving presence of Christ, the physician of souls and bodies. This presence is particularly active through the sacrament and in an altogether special way through the Eucharist, the bread that gives eternal life and that St. Paul suggests is connected with bodily health. However, the Apostolic Church has its own rite for the sick, attested too by St. James. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Tradition has recognized in this rite one of the seven sacraments. Now, think of something else. Think how much we all treasure the sacraments, baptism, confirmation, the Eucharist, the sacrament of reconciliation. Each one of them points to God's grace in our lives, each one of them points to new life in Christ. Doesn't it make sense now for you to see this sacrament under a new light, particularly at the time when you are sick? Remember, fear is hardly ever a good advisor. Think about it. You've heard it for yourselves, dear Christians, that you should not be afraid of the anointing of the sick. It doesn't kill you. It strengthens you. Traditionally, we have always had men being the ones whose feet are washed on Holy Thursday. But when you came, you gave room for women to have their feet washed as well. What inspired this symbolic gesture? As I was saying before, on the same Thursday, but in the evening, we celebrate Jesus' Last Supper with his disciples. Every single year we read from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, when Jesus, to the surprise of the apostles, washed their feet. As I was sharing at the ordination to the diaconate of Tabon Conta on Thursday morning, I do not think anyone would have been surprised had Jesus sat down and asked each one of them, each one of the apostles, to wash his feet. That is how, still today, in many ways, we tend to relate with those in authority. We tend to see them as at a higher level than any of us. What Jesus did was unexpected and unthinkable. Jesus, Master and Lord, taking the role of a slave among them. So much so that Peter tried to refuse. I still remember one year as we were getting dressed for the celebration of the Last Supper, which includes the washing of the feet, we needed one more person to complete the group of the Twelve Apostles. 
and let me avoid telling you who she was. We naturally thought of the one with us in the sacristy. She spontaneously said, not me. She really sounded like Peter and she made my day. By the way, I said she. It is true that for many years the washing of the feet was done to 12 males because we were basically remembering the passage when Jesus washed the feet of the 12 apostles. Well, we never asked which one of them was Judas. But anyway, in 2016, Pope Francis made official what some of us had been doing, to open it to all the people of God, men and women, adults, youth and children. The church now says such small groups can be made up of men and women and it is appropriate that they consist of people young and old, healthy and sick, clerics, consecrated men and women and ladies. Some of us had been doing that already. Even Pope Francis, as Archbishop of Buenos Aires, Cardinal Bergoglio used to wash the feet of both men and women in places such as hospitals, prisons and slums during the ceremony of the Holy Thursday Mass. I do understand the challenge this brings. Some might even react saying, in our culture, that is not possible. The Church treasures cultures but also challenges them in the light of the Gospel. A few days ago I was preaching about that. I was saying there are times when we might prefer to hide behind the culture so that we do not have to change the way we think or the way we do things. I would love to hear one day people saying we cannot do this because it goes against the gospel or we must do according to the gospel. The washing of the feet is a powerful image which reminds us that we are all called to wash each other's feet in different ways, all of us to all of us. We are all at the service of each other. Some years ago, attending a gathering of bishops in Rome, we were asked to give one afternoon to be at the service of the people in Rome. Some of the bishops were taken to old age homes. In my case, I was taken to a restaurant for homeless people. There are many homeless people in Rome. They, they sleep on the streets. So in this case, three times a week, there is a place for them where they can have a meal. They would arrive, sit down on table, and on that day, we, the bishops, were the waiters. On that particular evening, I was with the Archbishop of Johannesburg and also with the one who is now our neighbor, the Bishop of Whitbank. We would go to them, welcome them, tell them the possible choices for supper and then serve them. People from every color and background who normally sleeps on the streets of Rome 
they could have a good meal. And as I said, they go there three times a week. But for them it was the first time to see us. It was our way of washing their feet. I still remember those homeless people looking at these funny characters serving them. One at a certain point could not hold himself and ask me, who are you? Bishops, just bishops, I said. COVID-19 has robbed us of many of our Christians and you also lose one of your priests. And so we are living at a time when many of our people are wounded and they are still grieving. What message would you like to share with your people who are grieving? And some of their departed could not even receive a decent funeral. They were buried even without having regular mass celebrated for them. What would you like to say to them? When we were dealing with the lockdown and we were unable to come together, I constantly prayed restrictions would be lifted. Sometimes in the media, we, we read about the importance of allowing the churches to be able to resume services considering the financial need of pastors and churches. On my own, I had a different reason. COVID-19, particularly the second wave, hurt us deeply. Those few weeks, were much harder on us than most of the whole of last year. We buried many of our relatives. Our own diocese buried Father Olwen Sotansanga. We all need healing. It is a type of healing that cannot be achieved by the screen of a phone or the screen of a TV. I think of the suffering of the parish of St. Ignatius of Loyola, unable to properly mourn their priest. And this is something that has happened to many families. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us tonight? May this opportunity to be back in church bring healing to all those in need of God's touch. May we all keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who came, died, and is risen, so that we may all have fullness of life. Thank you once again, dear Bishop, for joining us in this program, the Easter Dialogues, and for sharing with us more about Christmas. We wish you God's protection and blessings as you shepherd the flock of God in our diocese. And to you, our dear listeners, we meet again next Tuesday, same time, same place, as we discuss matters of our faith. And this program has been brought to you by the Diocesan Catechetical Department. God bless.